Lewis Hamilton, personal trainer turned CEO of UK boutique health and fitness studio, Hamilton's Honor, took a leap of faith and kick-started his business in the middle of the pandemic. The risk paid off and last year, the studio was not only nominated for a niche business award, but has been visited by sporting legends, Emil Heskey and Steve Walsh. This is only the beginning of a very exciting future for Hamilton's Honor. Good to see you, Lewis. It's been a long time coming, but we're here, ready to talk, <laughs> sit down and catch up. Um, I feel like I could speak for both me and Temi in that we've sort of been watching from the sidelines and everything that you have going on seems like super exciting. So podcast aside, we just want to catch up with you in general um, and just find out what's going on. So I'll go right back to the start. What inspired you to launch uh, your own health and fitness well, studio? Well, from the start, I actually wanted to, like most um, guys my age want to be a footballer, full-time footballer. Um, I was actually coaching at the time. Um, and whilst I was doing all this, um, I lost my dad. Uh, so my dad passed away a week before my 18th birthday. And whilst I was coaching, um, one day um, I turned up to a school. And when my dad passed away, um, I kind of got into a little bit of trouble at the age of 17, 18. Just, you know, minor things, bit of anger as you do, you know, as a young man, kind of losing your dad before your 18th birthday, kind of, you know. And I've got a, a sister, an older sister um, and a mum. So I'm the only kind of man in the household. Um, anyway, got a small criminal record, something very minor. Um, and whilst I was coaching during this time, I turned up to one school. Bear in mind, I kind of went to four schools that day and I've been coaching for years prior to this one criminal conviction. It was just a violence, had a little bit of fight. Won the fight, as you do. <laughs> I got to did that, won the fight. And um, <laughs> turned up to this school, and it was a private school. Um, and this lady actually turned me away. She said I wasn't allowed to work in school. Um, and I think that kind of cut me deep. And um, since that day, um, I remember sitting in the car, crying, came home, said to my mum, look, the, the way this um, lady spoke to me, this head teacher at this school, I kind of felt like I'd been judged a bit. Even though I've coached all day, it was my job. Um, and then from then I said, Do you know, what? I'm not going to coach. And I kind of got into the um, health and fitness industry and thought I'll be able to, you know, work with, you know, in a different kind of environment, different people. And um, still in the same sort of um, role in its way that it's health related, sport related. Um, but yeah, that's how I got out of coaching straight into the fitness industry. And I've never looked back, basically. So talk to me about the name Hamilton's Honour. I mean, obviously your last so, name's Hamilton, yeah. But, yeah, yeah Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. So um, obviously, based the whole experience um, in memory of my dad. Um, so basically, because my dad was a, f a footballer um, for Leicester City, but he also he had a bad heart, passed away with a bad heart. Um, and then um, when he stopped playing football, he was actually a coach. So we did a lot for the community. And I, and I thought by getting into industry, fitness industry, I can give back still in a different way. Obviously, like I said, I wanted to be a coach, but, you know, building my building my blocks basically I was working in gyms for a couple of years um, did my PT qualification went to Loughborough College um, I kind of growed into the PT once I became a PT um, I had to think of a name became self-employed and um, 
me and my uncle sat down, started making logos and stuff. And it went from Hamilton. It's got to be Hamilton something. Then we came up with a HH logo. And then we both said, what about honour? What about honour? You know, Hamilton's honour. In honour of my dad. You know, something different. But it's, you know, our person know what it means. But it's got my dad's name there and something that can potentially be a lifelong, you know, business. And, you know, a name um, to help live on, basically. So hence the name Hamilton's honour. You mentioned sort of starting off with like your own business and personal training um, and starting the sort of brand from way back then. So like when did it sort of develop into, you know, owning your own studio and making that leap and, you know, sort of putting all your savings yeah. into it? And yeah, so how did that sort of process Ooh, go? So it was long. So I was playing football part time um, and at the same time I had a job at Halfords, which was on a Friday night and a Sunday on the Monday and Wednesday I was at college on the Tuesday Thursday and Saturday I was playing football so I kind of had like three jobs juggling at one time and then it got to a point where I got my qualification quit Halfords and then I started working in a few gyms so I worked in a local gym two local gyms and um, got some qualifications at that gym so I was there for eight years in total but whilst I was there at the start I was kind of doing more hours got some qualifications for free, did the personal training, built some clients up at the gym. And then um, we had, um, my mum's got a shop across the road from where we live. And basically she's a podiatrist, a chiropodist, so works with feet. And um, across there we had um, two garages. So my dad originally converted them because he was, uh, when he was at Leicester, got made redundant. And um, he started doing a bit of fitness across the road, but it was just basically decking just made it an area, you know, if you wanted to do sit-ups. There was no equipment in there. So um, as I built up my client base, I started to save my money and put it into the um, into the garages and make it look even better. So putting it started to put in mirrors, um, treadmill. I remember buying the first treadmill that was like £900. It was a good treadmill at the time. Upgraded some weights. I made it into a nice little studio. And then I was still working at this gym at the time. And then I kind of, over time just took clients and then started working to, for myself and then eventually got to a point where I had enough clients and then I just quit and went fully self-employed and then just kind of played I still played football at the time and um, still playing now but it's just part-time you know a bit of fun bit bit of change at the end of the week but I kind of you know once I built on my client base I went solely um trade by myself and um so yeah what... worked there for five years yeah sorry sorry no, no, it's all good. Like, so what was what was that timeline like um, from the moment where, you know, you said that unfortunately you had that conviction. Well done for not letting that stop you. Go yeah, be where you are today, obviously. And I'm obviously, you know, sad about your dad passing, but you use that to, to, to um, use that pain in, into some kind of purpose, right? So like, yeah, talk to me about that, that, that timeline a little bit. So I would have been... 18 so my dad passed away two a week before my 18th birthday got into a bit of trouble i was coaching for years i think it happened around 20 um 19 20 and then um obviously from there i kind of went to college 20 21 23 up until 23 i kind of worked from there so once i got my qualifications um i was self-employed around 24 and then kind of did that for six years um, but like I said, prior up until then, I had three, four jobs at a time. I was, I would always work hard. You know, it was there was never a time free. You know, there was never a day free in my in my week. 
you know, it was either I was at the gym, saving at the same time. Yeah. Saving at the time. I put some money aside. Um, I'd still enjoy myself going on holidays and stuff, but no, I was always, always putting money aside. I always wanted to do something. But at that time, any time from, you know, even till now, I'm 31 now. It took me two years to realize what I wanted to do. You know, I'm, I knew what I wanted to do, but it's about speaking it into existence and actually giving it a go and, you know, mm. taking the risk. And I think that's the hardest thing for anybody. And the thing is, I remember you launched this, yeah. uh, you want, you launched a studio during COVID. Am I right in, that, yeah. in remembering that? And I was like, wow, this is like, I was so happy for you at the time. But at the same time, I was like, yeah. oh man, this is like the timing of this is so rough. Um, and I yeah. just, yeah, like, how did you feel when, during that whole time and how did you keep going even though like felt like the world was burning around us right and uh you know you were just coming out with this business and and lockdown was happening etc so how did you keep like motivated it it was a funny time really because how i um obviously once i funny enough the building i'm in now i walked past here three years before signing the lease and i was with my cousin there's a pub up the road from the <laughs> from the gym, funny enough. And I walked to my cousin. I said to my cousin, you see that building here? Do you know what that needs to be? That needs to be a gym. So what I offer, you know, we offer a high-end service to, you know, anyone aged from 30 to 60. It's a nice little niche little market. And I said to my cousin, location, location, location. You see that building there? That's what it needs to be. It needs to be a gym. And then two years down the line, um, I started to, you know, once I was fully working for myself, I kind of put some money on the side and I started looking at new premises. I actually looked at one building prior to this one. Um, it never fell through. It was never meant to be. And then, funny enough, I walked past the same building. So this is about three years down the line um, after building my, my client base. And, you know, only getting so far, I was putting in a lot of hours. It would be, you know, six to 11, then like three to nine all the time. But then I put some money aside. Anyway, so I looked back at this building and it had a little sign on the um, for sale sign. And it said, um, obviously, offer. So they put the price down because it's been standing there for about two, three years. So obviously contact the estate agent thought let's get the ball rolling i've already looked at one building let's see what what happens with this one um and then i spoke to the estate agent had a look at the building and i said this is the one this is the one this is meant to be but then i kept trying to get hold of the estate agent weeks went past no one got back to me so i took it upon myself to find out who the landlord was and gave him a call got his number uh, i can't remember how i got his number talk of the talk just finding out and then i met up with him and then when I spoke to the landlord, he said, oh, the estate agent's not mentioned anybody looking at the building, even though I've inquired about it. So, yeah, crazy. So um, he liked me. I sat down, showed my business plan, told him what I had prepared. He went back to the estate agent, find out why they've not spoken to me. The estate agent didn't even have the decency to tell the landlord, but, it's, it, you know, another kind of, you know, it never could have happened. So long story short, they didn't want to talk to me because I had no business biography as a company. So my company, Hamilton's Honor, which I set up, it had nothing behind it, you know, no years of sales, nothing. Um, but he said to me, do you know what? I want to give you an opportunity, you know, where he started off from. He was, he basically does furniture. Um, so he makes furniture. He started to do it out of his own garage. And now he's got four shops across Leicestershire. Um, very successful in what he does and he, and he kind of related to me a little bit 
funny enough, they've actually done all the interior in the gym. Uh, it kind of just worked hand in hand. Uh, I'm a strong believer of destiny. Some things just happen. Uh, but the landlord gave me the opportunity and since then got the ball rolling. And um, and then, yeah, we started um, progressing with the lease, signed the lease on the 6th of uh, March 2020. Um, the pandemic come in April. Um, so it was it was tough, but we got through it. <laughs> we got I, through it. I think it. just that story where you said that the estate agent was like, oh, it's not, you know, available, Crazy. whatever. It just shows you how perseverance is so key, right? Like just when you get Always. told no, it's not to accept that first no and just keep trying Always. and trying and trying. And imagine if you just were like, oh yeah, no, I just, uh, I just gave up in that moment, right? You know, you didn't realise there was some person blocking you that wasn't actually there blocking you. So, no, so I think yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and there was many that hurdles. Kept going. Yeah. That, wasn't, that's even, thing. that, that wasn't even the start. Oh. Yeah, I think, I think you know what, just hearing that is reminded to me as well, because sometimes you're like, why is things so difficult to happen? And you feel like, oh, it should be easy. If it's meant to be, it should just be smooth. But actually, it's those trials. I, they, they, for, they a reason, for a it's reason, it's building your character. It's, it's yeah. showing you just to... It's showing you that perseverance to keep going because I think sometimes you think, why is this so hard, you know? So I think yeah. that's just a reminder for everybody to know that, you know, it's not always going to be super easy at the beginning. Um, but yeah. if you're committed and you're dedicated to what it is that your vision is, then, it, yeah. you know, you, you can you can see it realised. Yeah. The fact that the um, estate agent didn't want to pass on my information was beyond me and I've got all my paperwork all my research all my you know it wasn't just an idea that came from fresh air you know this was a three-year plan if I'm gonna do something this is how it's gonna go you know I had did it all you, on paper files upon files no did, basically I landlord just went, too much but did he explain himself or did they did, no did landlord get... basically rang me back yeah landlord rang me back basically saying the estate agent um, said you didn't have no biography, so you didn't pass on the information. But I'm not dealing with the estate agent now. We'll work. To, oh, we'll just do it independently. <laughs> and then we good, went from good. there. I, ho I was going to say, and I hope you didn't get any commission after that. Yeah. Wow. No, no chance. He didn't get the job. <laughs> so, and even from there, um, obviously, I, I met up with loads of gym companies. Obviously, the landlord. Um, so even though the lease was signed in March. Um, I had the keys in the building from about October onwards, you know, just so I could plan things out, get builders on site, check. The ball was rolling. The only thing that got delayed was um, because of this estate agent. So when the, mm. when the lease got signed, I actually spoke to three, four gym companies um, that provide the equipment. Um, and when um, it got to a point where we actually wanted to get the equipment over the line and purchase it, same thing happened with those. Um, same thing happened with them and they didn't want to talk to me. Um, so like, same thing, no business biography. So it was, it was a case of how can you start if you, mm. you know, you got to start from somewhere, haven't you? Yeah. So, yeah. um, I had to get a guarantor for my equipment. So even though I got okay. my business plan, I got some money aside. Mm. So I went to one of my clients, um, who does, um, funny enough, he does like kit outs for offices. Um, mm. successful business and I said look need a guarantor sent in my business plan he looked at all my business papers you know mm -hmm. gave me some advice but you know he thought it was a viable business plan so um, mm -hmm. he was like look Lewis I, I, I would I trust in you in this hopefully it doesn't go wrong because you're gonna have to pay me back sort of thing so I was like no of course it won't go wrong um, because obviously if I can't make a payment it will come out from the guarantor um, mm -hmm. so it's just a guarantor nothing like that he was willing to do it Wanted to give me, um, you know, just that backing. 
So I got a Garmin tour for my equipment, got one of the biggest companies, um, Techno Gym, uh, which is one of the state of the art companies worldwide. Um, so they kitted it out for me. But um, funny enough, um, as soon as I, I got home, as soon as I had that conversation with the Garmin tour, who's a, he's a friend of mine, but also he's a client, you know, I've known him, he's in his 60s, he's a, he's a very wise man. So I rang him after I spoke to him, picked up the phone 10 minutes later, I said, look, I need guidance you know, so I'd like to offer you some shares into my business, you know, so only 10%, so he's not got any say or anything like that, but, you know, I only know so much, I've got so far from my own back, but at the same time, to grow as a person and as a young entrepreneur, you need to speak to these wise men, you need to speak to these people that have done it, especially from the ground upwards, Um, his business was similar to my landlord's, so he was working Mm. for a company before, and, um, he was um, selling office chairs for a company and then he quit the company, took a loan. He told me £5,000, made his own company and he's never looked back since. And now he's got factories, you know, he makes a lot of money and he's, it's not about the money, but he's built and he's his own company. And yeah. I, I inspire to that. And, you know, it's it's never about the money, but you can, you can, you, know, you can be as big as you want to be, you know, by speaking to the right people. And, um, mm. you know, so I offered him some shares. He was adamant he didn't want any. And I said, no, I would like someone there to call upon at times, you know? It's all good mm. we can have that conversation anyway, but how I see it, doors, long terms, doors open, things mm. like that, you know? And you so need did he that. put money so in as that, well? No money. Oh, no money. You just gave no him money. shares without so, any money in. Just okay. gave him shares, and he asked for. He asked me how much money do you want. I said I don't want no money. You've done it enough for me. You, 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 you put your little risk there mm-hmm. to give to be a guarantor for wow. me. You know, you know, because yeah. obviously, what how the guarantor works is if I can't pay, they're going to go to somebody else. Um, mm. So you've already done that risk. You know, ten percent. You know how how I see it is to make money, you got to spend money, and if that means to pay him some money to pay receive some money. That's how mm. business goes. If you look yeah. at the biggest businesses in the world, your Chelsea football clubs, your Arsenal, the owner only probably owns about 20%. You know, your Sir Island Sugars probably own about 30% of his business. You know, obviously I'm 90% shareholder, but I, I want a mentor there at the mm. same time. But, you know, I've come so far. I've come so far. And you, you can't yeah. get to these places by yourself. Would you say your guarantor then has been like the key mentor like through this whole process or has has there been some people that you sort of met along the way that you then like sort of added to your sort of board of advisors I guess but yeah met met loads of people along the way and loads of things have changed then I've met new people and for example like my landlord you know never met him and we and we've got a common ground you know where the backgrounds we've come from and you know how how we work you know same with um um, my guarantor and my friend Martin as well um that that's how that's how it is you know things just fall into place that sometimes i've learned over this process not not to worry too much and um whatever will be will be you know i've been through the hardest things i've been through were when i was younger with my dad and i start to understand that and it only Mm. took me till i was honestly it only took me till i was 29 to realize that so i lost that Mm. was what 11 years 11 Mm. years because i turned up Mm. to my cousin's wedding um, turn up to my cousin's wedding. Here's the story. <laughs> turn up to my cousin's <laughs> wedding. My lovely little cousin Lydia, and um, she was getting married at the time. And then I just had an anxiety attack mm. out of the blue, and I was like, "Whoa!" I felt like I was at my dad's funeral. 
I felt like I was at my dad's mm. funeral 11 years down the line. Um, so I was just, I just felt funny for a brief spell and I knew instantly what I have to do because when my dad passed away, because he did a lot for the community, they gave him an award called the Neville Hamilton Award. So in Leicester, we have something called the Leicester Mercury Sports Awards, which is like, you know, from your top athletes, um, your Jamie Vardy's Leicester manager won. Um, the person that won my dad's award last year was actually the Leicester chairman, um, Vinay, I can't say his surname. Um, but it basically, it's the biggest award on the night because my dad helped to make helped to make the Leicester Mercury Sports Awards. It was one of the founders that helped to get there as a community thing. So when he passed away, they named an award after him at the end of the night called Neville Hamilton Award. And this was the year after um, my dad died. Um, so me, my mum and my sister had to go on stage. So I was like 19 at the time. I might have been 18 at the time. And I remember the thousands of people are there. Ron stayed, called us up. They got my dad on the screens and stuff. I'm not even processing my dad gone. Do you know what I mean? I never even cried at the funeral. Never even. It took me ten years to cry. You know, it took me ten years to cry. It took me ten years to cry. Anyway, so wow. they got me and my sister up on the stage, and my mom gave me the microphone. I just froze. And ever since then, it's always been in my head. And every um, every year, the Leicester Mercury Sports Awards are won. So every January, uh, so it's like to represent what's happened within the year in Leicestershire, and um, I always put it off ever since that day. I've always put it off, and Chris, your brother, will tell you that I'll fall poorly or I'll book a holiday at the right at the time it's meant to be on, knowing full well just to avoid it, but not be able to, you know, express that. I know full well I didn't want to go, but I'd come up with some excuse. Um, and then, yeah, at my cousin's wedding. I turned around, I just had an anxiety attack. And that's when I said, I said to my girlfriend, I said, do you know what that is? I need to go up on that stage and um, do this thing for my dad. I said, I need to go up and present this award because it's a lifetime award. I should be doing it. Not my uncle, not my mum. I need to do it. I'm my dad's son. And um, ever since then, I kind of went pure sober, detox, no drink, nothing. And then um, it come around in January, and when it came around in January, I cried for two weeks straight. I cried oh, for wow. two weeks straight. Yeah. And then um, on the award of the on the day of the award, I got my suit. I remember putting my suit on and I was just crying. I was like, oh my God, wow. I can't do this. And then um I rang um Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of yeah crazy, and, crazy. Yeah. So this is a proper journey. So and then um I rang my mum. Told my mum, I said, Mum, you can't come. Told my girlfriend, you can't come. I rang my best mate, Chris, and he came with me because I couldn't have someone emotional there. Chris, I'll go around. Yeah, Chris, your brother. <laughs> just, sorry, sorry. <laughs> just when you say brother. Chris, so I was like, Chris, I'll go No, no, it's just because yeah, um, so, for, um, for, for our listeners, Chris is also goes by a different name inside our family. So we're just, whenever yeah. we hear Chris, we're like, Remy oh, Solar. Hello, that guy, the guy, the guy that's not nice to me and Ivy. Oh yeah, no, sorry. What wrong show? Carry on, carry on. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Family drama. He turned up. He turned up, and uh, was in the taxi, and we had a little shot of brandy. We had a little shot of brandy. Got to the front door. Chris put his arm around me. We had a little prayer. He prayed for me, and we walked up. And as soon as we got in. Um, as soon as we got in, they greet you with champagne and whatnot. So I had one champagne, so this is going to last until I go up. And then as soon as I walked in there, I seen someone called Matt Piper, who used to play for Leicester. And he's had um, 
drink problems, injury problems. He's a very historical person, black footballer in Leicester. And he, my dad actually took him to Leicester. As soon as I seen him, I was like, oh, I've got to speak. I'm very, I'm there. He's like, ah, oh, you'll be fine. But he knew, he knew what I was feeling. He knew what, because I've had this conversation before with him, you know, just about, you know, general life and how I'm getting on, etc. Anyway, so we sat down at the table and they start the awards evening. Um, and um, how it works is they kind of do a, um, two awards starter, two awards dinner or three awards, whatever it is. Anyway, so I was kind of sat there, shirt on, tie on, prepared. I was prepared. I'm here now. I'm ready. And then they did a couple of awards. The starter came. And then they did a couple of awards. The dinner came. And now it took that long. My head's gone. So I'm there, all nervous, all, yeah, all emotional. And then they start the awards. My dad comes up on the screens. It was like deja vu, 20, 12 years back. And then I had an arm tapped me on the shoulder and it was Matt Piper and Pat's pulled me across and he said, look, there's a lot of love in this room for you. Everything's okay. You'll be all right. Go up there. Then they called my name out and then I got up and then I looked, they gave me the mic and before, actually I'm missing something out. So when I got there um, to the awards evening, there's a, there's a host called Ian Stringer. He's the host of the night. He does BBC Leicester, Radio One, all that good stuff. So there's a, there's a few like um, special guests there. Anyway, so I said to him, as soon as I got there, freaked out, I said, I'm meant to be hosting an award for my dad. My name's Lewis Hamilton, the awards Neville Hamilton Award. Do not give me the mic. I can't do it. <laughs> so I almost freaked out. I freaked out straight away. As soon as I got there and he went, no, 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 no. you'll be fine. You'll be fine. He kind of pied me off. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so when the award come up, my dad's come up and they called my name, had a word with pipes. I was mentally ready and I've gone up there. And as soon as I've gone up there, he's pointed at me with a microphone and shaked it at me. He's like, you want it sort of thing on the, on the D-Lo. And I was like, give it me. I could have ignored it and I'd probably don't, I wouldn't be here today. Who knows? This business wouldn't be here. Because I always said to myself, if I can't get up and do this on stage, I can't do a business. I can't do this. I can't pr- move forward. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I made eye contact, took the mic off him. I looked forward and I couldn't see a single thing because you've got all these lights in your face. You can't see anything. And then I just spoke. I literally just spoke. I remember what I said, just came. Because I had this little piece of paper before the night and I kept reading it all day, all day. And every time I was reading it, I was crying. And then when I got to the event, I was like, I'm not going to take it out. I'm not going to take it out. I'm just going to talk. So when I grabbed the mic, I looked forward, drawn an absolute blank, didn't know what I was going to say. And I just started talking. It just came out very calm, flowed out. And then everyone started clapping. And then they called out the winner. And Matt Hampton got it, who was a Leicester Tigers legend. Um, fireworks came on, biggest one of the night. And um, Matt Hampton won it, went behind stage afterwards and I just broke down, I was crying my eyes out. And ever since then, I've never looked back. And then we hit yeah. COVID and I've just kind of, whatever's come my way, I've just kind of dealt with it, dealt with it. And, yeah. you know, here we are today. It's amazing. Today. Thanks <laughs> Went for off the topic us. there. But, no, yeah, no, but no. It. That, that story is really, it's really, yeah, it's really key. It explains a lot, you know. And um, mm. I was just want, you know, our next question was going to be about, like, is there anything that you would have done differently? Like, but it sounds like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you hadn't have done that, that would probably it's, would be a regret. happened yeah. in the order yeah. that yeah. But, yeah, is there, um, is there yeah. just, just over the no, past since not you really. launched your business? Yeah. Not really. Well, well, you learn on the way. Like, for example, I've had builders and stuff. People have let me down, but 
you know, I'd see the warning signs from the from the off now, you know what I mean? Like people trying to rip me off and stuff like that. I put my trust into people. So um, sometimes, like, even, for example, I had um, four um, electricians look at my job. I'd pick one out of the four who I think would be the best. So I kind of project, manage it, pro- project managed everything myself. Um, so I'd get all the builders in on site, make everyone meet together because, you know, people were trying to take a lot of money just to do up the refurb and stuff like that by project managing it themselves. It would be like an extra £10,000. But I thought I might as well do it myself because a lot of these people, I don't know what they thought. They thought I won the lottery or something like that. No, this is my hard-earned money and I've got loans from the banks and, and stuff it's, like it's that. It's because it looks nice, Lewis. That's why. Let's yeah, talk people, about it. People yeah. are just trying to rip looks, you off. Yeah, but it, it looks it looks good. Like, you know, you really kitted it out well. It's in a really nice part of... It's right in the city centre, you know, and it's it's a it's a quality space. So yeah, just sorry, I just had to I had to mention that because I know people can't see it because <laughs> we're yeah. we're talking about it on a podcast. But it's a nice gym. I mean, if you sort of project manage the whole project, like how did you sort of understand what steps to take? Like, were you able to talk to someone who'd sort of recently opened a, a shop or like, yeah, how did you sort of <laughs> No, so originally I, I kind of had like, I was contacting building firms. So I got everything designed anyway. And then there was, you know, I was taking mm-hmm. their advice. So for example, I was going to a company, this is what needs building, how long is it going to take? So the person that would probably own that company was going to project manage it themselves. So every time I had a meeting with the builders, I'd be on site, I'd be taking it all in, you know. And then it got to a point where, why am I paying all this extra money um, when I, I just got to get these people in at one time, then these people, then these people. So I just went to independent companies, met four of each, so four carpenters, four electricians, four builders, um, for plumbers and then pick the best one I like with all of them that were available then I'd get them all together on site make them introduce each other break the ice you know they would all exchange numbers create a little group chat and be like okay builders are in on this <laughs> week they're doing this thing is going to be in this week make sure everyone's booked in make sure everyone's you know in tandem with one another but it was just a case of learning on the job never done this before but I like to, if you can't learn if you can't like take it in you're never going to move forward. So things always, things are happening now all the time. You know, I'm still, you know, I've had a problem with the council and, and stuff that's still ongoing, but you know, you just, whatever comes my way, it's all about problem solving at the end of the day. It's never going to run smoothly. I guess as well, you could always just ask those people that you're able to like the, the best of the four that you sort of picked out and be like, what's your advice with this? Or, you know, sort of just work with those people that are willing to make it as like collaborative as possible. So, yeah. yeah. Exactly. No, that's really interesting that you did it that way. Just kind of just, it just kind of, yeah, one thing led to an X really. And I think a lot, like I said, a lot of people were trying to take advantage. So I didn't think it was, it was wise. So just kind of, even the people I did choose, we had a few issues with, but that's another, you know, <laughs> They're not, they're not around anymore, as they would say. I'm not going to be using them. And it's only, <laughs> I wouldn't be using them and I wouldn't, you know, tell anyone else to use them. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose there's lots of lessons you got to take from it. So, you know, exactly. there's so many uh, fitness studios out there. And, you know, how do you get people to come to yours? Uh, can you talk a little bit about your marketing and your customer acquisition journey? So I'd like to say that people make the place. Um, so we have like a kind of a, a unique crowd that come here as well. It's just from the little things like it's all about location. So 
where where we are. A lot of people probably were in the heart of OB. So there's a bit of money in OB. Um, so we tried to cater it for them. You know, if we was in an industrial estate, this this business model wouldn't work. Um, so we kind of focus around there. All our personal trainers or staff are the highest grade you can get. So we're trying to offer a premium product. And obviously, how we've kitted it out, um, funny enough, like I said, how it just worked with my landlord, um, we tried to make it quite bespoke, premium. So we've tried to make it look different. Um, like I said, the model wouldn't work if we was in a, a station somewhere or industrial estate. So we're in a nice area of the town, gone, to, gone down like your hotel route to the gym. Uh, we've actually got someone who does all our marketing, but, you know, I've I've been working with a lot of these clientels anyway, so we kind of made it bespoke for them. A lot of people that come to the gym, it's probably their first gym they've ever been into, and, and that's the kind of people we wanted. It's not like your 24-hour gyms where you've got a very young crowd, people want to train in the morning, very overcrowded, high, you know, less retention, thousands of members paying £5 a month. You know, but at the same time, we're not a council gym. Council gyms open early, close late. We've got a nice, um, you know, bespoke time where it's for people that probably own their own business or, you know, I've got time to come in the middle of the day, you know. So I like to say the people make the place. All the stuff I've, um, that I hear I've worked with um, from the start, we, the team's growing um, we've got new, you've got new staff I've never even met before in my life, but they just fit into the project well. They buy into the team. You know, we're we're a family. If anything, we're a community, and the gym's becoming that way as well. Like um, when we hit our first three months of opening, even though we didn't have the money, um, I took it upon myself to purchase some um, twenty-five spaces for something called a tough mudder. So basically, a tough mudder is. Um, it's like a 10 mile race it's not a race bit of fun like obstacle course muddy thing for let's yeah, take yeah. let's take 25 members to the gym because you know if you was at david laws your, your virgins they won't do that i might charge you for something like that but no for let's you know let's take it upon us let's take some members there build the community show what we do for our members we always do a member of the month for example uh, and we give away a 10 pound from holland and barrett so we've got a little partnership with a local Holland Barrett in um, around our area. So Could you the partnerships and the influencer marketing, yeah. eh? <laughs> <laughs> so we give like a little voucher so they can get some um i don't know protein shakes some vitamins we've also got a partnership with um starbucks and ob as well which is quite cool um so just so there's a car park around there you see um just just little things just the small you, things so they get a little up? discount yeah you that, or do I you have someone that works for you that, that you said you had somebody that does i went into these places i went straight into really? these places so yeah straight into these oh. places says hi I'm Lewis, introduce myself, open up this round there. You've probably seen it. I'm the owner. This is what I'm doing. It'll probably be beneficial for yourselves if, you know, we can do a little collaboration. Something just in-house, obviously, mm. because there's only so much. You can't really say you're working with Starbucks or whatever, but these places are franchised. But I was like, look, if I will encourage our members to come into yourself and buy a coffee or buy vitamins it's like people will say oh I'll sell them in the gym I'm like no I'd rather do you a diet plan or speak to one of our health professionals mm-hmm. you can't be jack of all trades master of none you know what I mean yeah. when they say oh sell a coffee I don't want to sell coffee there's Starbucks around the corner yeah. you know go go to a coffee shop you know I'll give yeah, you health yeah, advice yeah. I'll sell you a diet plan so we've got these these small little partnerships um, um yeah which is quite good as well um we've also got a partnership with um, a local 
business called Grounded Kitchen. They're kind of like a, a healthy food kind of marketing business as well. So yeah, the team's forever growing. Um, hopefully, you know, we can get on those levels and branch out and, you know, and franchise out. Who knows? Dreams are endless. Never dream too big. Never dream too big. How many people on your team then do you so have right now? you've got seven. You've got seven. And what are their roles? Um, so we've got a uh, physiotherapist. Uh, we've got a beautician. Um, so she does all like Indian head massage, Swedish massage, bit waxing, bit threading as well. And we've got three personal trainers. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Three personal trainers, and um, we've got um, our marketing consultant does all the marketing, which is good as well. Cool. So we've got a nice That's little good. team, nice little team, yeah. and like little things like that. Um, I've worked with some of these people. Um, oh, Matt said that I worked with some of these people, but for my marketing um, chat, you know, that just kind of just fell hand in hand. So I had someone who was doing it before, and it wasn't really doing a good job. And then um, on my opening week, um, on my opening week, um, I had a guy come in um, just to have a look around in the gym. And then he was doing marketing. So when this uh, other guy wasn't doing things properly, I had like 40 messages on Facebook and on Red. <laughs> and he just wasn't replying to people. Met this other person, um, even though it was months down the line, just contacted him. He set up a little Zoom call. Um, and then he had a whole presentation for me about my competitors, where he thinks I should be going, what people are looking, algorithms, all this. Nice presentation. And then from then, he's been doing it. And we've just, little things like that, small changes. Things change all the time. Things change all the time. It's just a case of trying not to stay stagnant and just moving forward. One thing I've noticed, actually, is like your, well, your gym has a social media channel, but you also are quite active on your own channel and you're always yeah. posting yourself at the gym and stuff so yeah no you've really you're, you're doing a good job on on that front <laughs> yeah i don't i personally don't really do the social media thing i don't mind going live and stuff like that like throughout lockdown we was raising money for um charity so we've almost raised ten thousand pounds for the british heart foundation obviously i lost my dad for a bad heart um hence why we did the tough mudder in the gym um, so what we did, I paid for everyone. Then I just gave them a little donation link. I said, look, go raise as much money as you can for British Heart Foundation. So for the Tough Mudder, we raised about £3,000. We did like an opening, um, a year anniversary at the gym. So we did a, like a, a raffle. And so basically what I did, um, I put some money aside, paid out my own pocket. So this when we reached a year at the end of last year, so we got a load of alcohol in, got a magician in, live DJ, did it in the gym, cleared everything out the day before. Um, and we had like some raffles, so we gave away a spa break at Rugdale Hall, um, a Theragun, a massage Theragun. So got some people to donate some raffle prizes. Um, got a signed Leicester shirt, which was good. And we raised about £2,000 on the night. So we're almost at £10,000, literally £300 short. So I'm able to get to £10,000. We'll do a lot more charity um, fundraising events this year as well. So I kind of used the, the social media platform for that front. And that was a big that was a big ask for me as well. I might do my own personal stuff. I find that different because I'm myself. I'm myself in my business, obviously, but you got to be a bit more censored, you know, and um, professional, as they say. So, like, doing my first live stuff, it was a bit, you know, it was a bit nerve-wracking because it's the public. On my on my personal socials, I'm private, you know. I, I don't have people I know on there, so it's a bit different. So, um, yeah, raised a lot of money. We're doing lots of live sessions. And um, so it started off with the live stuff, which I was doing by myself. Then as the business grow, 
grew. I got someone to take um, control of it. It sounds like you have a lot of ideas. Like your creativity seems like so big. Um, so do you have any like aspirations for the gym in the near or like distant future or any features or experiences that you sort of wanna introduce? I kind of, um, yeah, I'd like to, you know, he, like I said, never dream too big. It would be amazing if I could have another one in Leicester. Um, in a different area. I'd know it instantly. I don't want to say too much. <laughs> don't want to say too much, but no, who knows? Who knows what's um, going to happen in the future? I think once we get this one full and um, running itself, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to stop there. I don't, you know, you know, I look at some of the biggest um, entrepreneurs in the world, you Sir Alan Shuggins and, and, and people like that, they started with nothing. They, you know, hence why he is the way he is on the apprentices. I've not, you know, I've not got any degrees to my name or anything like that. But some of these, um, some people that have degrees wouldn't be able to do what I've done and vice versa. So I've just learned and adapt. Anything that comes my way, I will listen and, and I'll take it in and, you know, kind of put my own twist on things and, you know, take advice where it's needed and, and just keep just keep working. If, if we can have another one somewhere, that, that would be the game. If we could have 10, it's, I wouldn't say it's impossible because if I look back at this in five years' time, I would never said this is impossible. And um, this is what was possible. I'd have thought, yeah, I'd be laughing if I said this to someone I wanted to do this. But I have to pinch myself sometimes when I come into the gym. There's times when I'm thinking, oh, what do I do now? What do I do now? But then I've got to give myself more credit. I'm human, you know. Like even the other day, um, I was in the gym after I locked up. And I was like, hold on, give yourself some more credit. If I put 100 personal trainers in a room, 99.9% would would love to try and have their own gym, you know? So I've got to give myself more credit. Um, I think, you know, like I said, I've had that many knockbacks. I think it's quite hard to kind of um, blow your own trumpet sometimes. I'm not that kind of person. The one sense I get from you is that you're not afraid of failure. Like, you know, because you... Yeah. That's exactly what it is. I think that is. holds a lot of people back, right? And they're, they're afraid of what people think or they're afraid of failing somehow, whether it's monetarily or just, you know, saving face and stuff. So where do you feel like that comes from? Well, I think from my parents, really. I think from, you know, and my, and my grandparents, you know, uh, especially, you know, not being born in this country. Like, you hear about the obstacles they've had to overcome you know bigger than what we what i've faced 100 percent, 100 percent. i've always had a roof i've always had you know my parents obviously not now so uh like with my dad etc but i've always as a child growing up you know i've always had food i've always had a roof i've always had warmth shower like this you know something could come tomorrow and blow this building down it's not the end of the world you know you've got to value the small things in your life your health you know, your family, your friends, you know, all the good things, you know. I've been through, I feel like I've been through harder times, harder times, and especially without realising it. Like I said, it took me 10 years to cry. It took me 10 years to cry. And then I realise that now. So when anyone asks me if they're going through a hard time, I'm a kind of heart on a sleeve kind of guy. I tell them, yeah, don't worry, you know. And be honest, be open, you know. Sometimes an open heart's the best way. Sometimes a lot of people keep things inside and, but no, dream dream as big as you can. If it doesn't work out, you'll be more devastated if you didn't try. Yeah, so true. It really is.
And your dad, like, incredible guy, and, like, obviously, like, a big motivation behind, like, where you are today. Uh, but do you have any other ways that you sort of do keep yourself motivated in those hard times? Like, do you have, like, any routines or any, like, methods of, like, trying to, trying to keep up and trying to keep things moving? Well, I think when I feel down at times, um, I'll always kind of, you know, speak things into existence, give myself more credit. Um, I'll go see my, my dad and my granddad, my two most inspirational people. Obviously, they're not here anymore, but I'll go see them funny as it sounds and you know I might talk talk to them you know at, at the uh, we call it the garden we didn't call it a graveyard at the garden you know seek advice and sometimes I'll just feel it inside my heart okay that's what I need to do you know because I can't physically ask mm-hmm. him but sometimes you always know deep down what the right decision is um so yeah no I'm, you know I'm never too hard on myself but I'm always you know always pushing forward and whatever whatever comes my way we'll just we'll just deal with it so are you working out every day? Like, obviously, you're, you know, you're no. every day. You're not. What? No. Well, I, I'm active. I'm active. When you look I'm like bored. you do, though. <laughs> do you still sometimes do yeah, PT definitely. sessions as well? Where's yeah, my I'm PT session, eh? Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm quitting down the PT. I, can't, I physically can't do it. It's all the things behind the scenes. Um, yeah. no, not many people see. Just mm-hmm. organising, like we try to be two, three months ahead on on marketing and you know and and plans. So we're already thinking about what we're going to do for the summer. You know what little projects we're going to do, what we're going to do for our members. You know here, here, here. So we're already like months ahead. That's how we try to think. So we're never stagnant. We're always looking forward to what 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 next. That's really good. And uh, you know, I suppose I can see how like other people might look up to you and especially the younger ones and think, you know, I want to be where he is or I want to one day own my own brick and mortar business. Because I think there's a lot of businesses these days that are like online businesses, startups, like that kind of type thing. And you, you're you launching something that is, or you have launched something that is physical, right? And it's it's one of those things where the perception is that you need so much capital to launch a physical business. And, um, you know, I know that you said you had a guarantor and you had to get like a business loan to make that happen, etc. But like, what advice would you give people that maybe want to do what you're doing and launch a physical business, but almost don't really know where to start or don't have that capital in order to like initially get going? I think as long as you've got the work ethic, you'll always make it survive because you can, you know, once that stops, it's only going to, you know, crumble and fail. But I'd say listen to the right people, listen to people that have done it you know, that have done it from the hard way. Listen, speak to as many people as you can and, you know, the right people. You know, if if you if you surround yourself with a negative person, you're going to start naturally thinking negative. And it's the same if you're, if you're talking to someone that started a business from the ground up and has it successful, speak to him, listen to him, hear what he's been through and or her, you know, and, and take it in. Obviously, you're your own person. You're going to make your own decisions. Um, for example, my guarantor, he's he's been doing business for years. He'll always, I'll put something to him. Okay, I'm thinking about this. What what do you reckon? And his his opinion might totally be the opposite. And I've never gone. I always go what I feel. I'll take his opinion, but you know, I've asked him. <laughs> but I will always do it my way. It might be the wrong way. It might be the wrong way. But you know, when it goes wrong, you know, you've only got yourself to kind of fall back on it. So never dream too big speak to the right people i think we already answered this so sorry if it's repetitive um 
But I guess um, kind of a separate question I had, um, I don't know how relevant this is to the end of the podcast, but just something I'm genuinely interested in. Um, so you talked about sort of stealing, well, taking clients from the gym <laughs> when you're working there and sort of building your yeah. client base from there. Watch out, if is you don't, that, like, don't give him a lawsuit uh, already, come tip. on, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, with that tip, with that, if you were to speak to like aspiring, like PTs that are aspiring to open their own gym, uh, what other tips would you sort of uh, include alongside that? If I left, probably would have just came with me anyway. But it wasn't a, it, all of what it was. Um, mm. They were still members at the gym I was working at. But what I was originally doing there was personal training. So when I stopped personal training there because I set up my own place, I kind of they came with me. It was either I'm not doing I'm not doing PT at Parklands, but I was classed. So I used to be a personal trainer at the gym I was working at. And then I became a fitness instructor, which is below it. So I stopped doing PT. So what my role was in that gym was basically doing inductions, um, looking after people, make sure everything's safe, clean. Um, so when I stopped PT, they had the option. They could either take a personal trainer at Parklands, um, which was the gym at the time. It's not called that anymore. Um, or they could do it outside. So, you know, majority of people were happy to do it outside of the gym and it was private it was basically two garages nothing pretty but that just shows you if <laughs> people were happy to pay and I was charging um, more money obviously more money here now but it was more money than what it was at Parklands um, which was the gym and the gym had state-of-the-art equipment at the time I was just working at my garage with steel flipping steel dumbbells and cheap treadmill not a treadmill that's eight grand just an 800 pound treadmill you know and stuff like that but people are happy to go there they'll always invest in the person I think and if you you know if you're a good person you know and genuine hopefully I am um you know people will, will warm to you yeah yeah and they'll follow you wherever you go essentially so I've got a very important question so obviously your name is Lewis Hamilton, which is the same as the F1 <laughs> Come on now, do you ever use that? Do you ever be like, you know, when you book in a restaurant table, you're like, yeah, and they're like, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, the Lewis Hamilton. Do you ever, go on, do you do, you do it? Never, N- never. <laughs> <laughs> never. I've had a bit of trouble from the police though. <laughs> what? I've had a bit of trouble from the police. Yeah, being pulled. Yeah. What's your what name? What do you mean? Lewis Hamilton. Oh, I think I'm, oh they, yeah, oh, they think, think you're the taking the mick. Oh yeah, God. and I love to see their faces when I show my ID as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, that's funny. No, but I love it. I love it. It's also spelled exactly the same way. That's what's funny. Yeah. But you're the Lewis Hamilton. That's what they need to realise. You're the... Exactly. Exactly. I'm the Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> well, my name's spelled Louis. My name's spelled Louis, so it's a little bit different, but it's... it's oh, is it? Oh, his French, is... Right? Oh, yeah, his, so it's spelled yeah. L-O-U-I-S. Oh, his is Lewis. You used to always call him Louis, and I was oh. like, his name's Lewis. <laughs> You'd always call him yeah, Louis. Yeah, but Louis, that is spelled. right. It is Louis. That's what he's just saying. Louis. Louis. Do you pronounce Louis. it Louis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Louis. Okay. My mum would be raging if you called me Louis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's been so good talking to you. I'm so glad we made this happen after playing like tennis with it for a while but uh yeah i'm really <laughs> no i'm really i'm really like glad we got to speak to you because honestly when when you launched your business i was like whoa that's so impressive yeah. i just couldn't believe it and i was so happy for you the biggest compliment we have is um when people come in they say oh is this part of a chain is it is it part of a chain where's you yeah. know i'm like no it's just an independent 
and a lot of oh, people just wow. think I work here as well, which is, <laughs> which is. Oh, nice. that's interesting. <laughs> Do you get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never. No, a I black never man can't it. own a can't own a business, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> I, never, I never, I never say it's mine unless really? you ask me. I'm like, yeah, take total really? pride in it, but yeah. Oh man, yeah. no. I'm, honestly, we're, we're. I think it's amazing. I'm so proud of you. Like, I know our brother Chris is as well, and just yeah, it's it's such a great thing that you've that you've built, and I I just can't wait to see where things go for you in the future with it. Like, I'm just hoping many more many more gyms open around Leicester. Let's take it internationally. You know, let's let's build it more yeah, and more. Try. So yeah, definitely. I, I, and mm-hmm. if you ever need any. Oh, I had okay. a question. I thought we were wrapping up, Ibi. Yeah. I'm so All sorry right, interrupt. to interrupt. Well, yeah, we can wrap up, but I also <laughs> want to ask about yes. Emma Husky. And <laughs> is it Stuart that, what's his name, sorry? The foot, the Leicester City football player. Recently. Oh, Steve Walsh, Stephen Walsh. Steve yeah. Walsh, yeah. But yeah, I just want to ask about those experiences and how those came about and what it did to like sort of put Hamilton's on a, on the map. So well. um, when my dad was at Leicester, obviously he he actually took and um, brought Emil Heskey to um, Leicester. Um, so we've kind of got ties with his family and stuff. Obviously Heskey's in Manchester at the moment, um, but for let's give him a contact. We originally wanted him down on our opening week, but because of how things went with COVID, you can only have a certain amount of people in the room. Um, so we kind of spread it out over a week. So originally I wanted to do a big party, and obviously since. Um, Everything's been lifted um, for the pandemic, so we just gave him little, got him a, got his number, dropped him a little text, gave him a call, and then he popped down from Manchester because he works with Leicester Ladies at the moment as an ambassador. So when he came down, got some photos. None of the members knew he was turning up. Some of them were very starstruck. Obviously, we're we're in the heart of Leicester, so we've got a lot of Leicester fans, and um, yeah, they. Um, they loved it. They loved it. But, you know, it's, you know, we've just kept it on a, a bit of a, of a D-lo. Look, these are kind of people that you might see here and we're, you know, we're a nice collective, you know, so join the community sort of thing. So we just got him down. Nothing, no questions and answers. He, he took a lot of photos with members of the gym and stuff. Same with Steve Walsh. He just turned up on a Saturday, which was nice. Um, introduced himself to some people and stuff. Hopefully we got some more special guests down. Um, throughout the year throughout the times so just for the purpose because we've got audiences that are, not all of them are from the uk or lesser like could you tell me a little bit about why those people are important just for the audience so obviously you got heskey played for england um i think he scored um a very famous goal against germany to get to the world cup i think it was or in the world cup um um played for liverpool leicester then you got steve walsh who's a leicester legend um, they've won, you know, played Premier League football, won trophies for Leicester. So, like, for any sort of Leicester fan, these these um, players are like your Thierry Henrys of the, of the time, of the era, back in the day. So, anyone back in the day, 20 years ago, would know about these players. And they're coming to your gym? Generational talents. Yeah, they come down. They come down when they can. They're, not, they're being a bit lazy at the moment. They might show face once a month, which isn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> you t- <laughs> tell them oh wow no but that's cool though oh that's great 
I just thought that was super cool and yeah, it's just one of those things where you could just sort of have those faces associated with your brand and it just, yeah, it's just really good to see. But um, yeah, tell me, I'll Thank let you, you wrap up. That was all <laughs> no, the questions all that I had. Well, no, it's been <laughs> so nice talking to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we could go on and on and on, but uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. I hope I hope it inspires some people. And yeah, how can people follow you on social media? Yeah, so um, follow at Hamilton's Honor. So that's all our um, workout plans, fitness-related topics, <laughs> but mainly stuff from the gym. But we do a lot of stuff on there live in the gym, live DJs all that good stuff as well. But you'll notice on our socials, we'll be raising, we do a lot of stuff for the British Heart Foundation. So there'll be always be something put on there where you can donate some money. We're aiming to, you know, I'd like, I always said, if I can raise 10,000 pounds, I've done that quicker than I thought, um, under a year, well, just over a year, you know? So I'm thinking of the next milestone. Um, I'm actually thinking of doing something called an Ultra X next year, which basically for charity, so basically it's 150 miles over five days, um, abroad in the desert so it's basically a oh, marathon wow. a day for five days yeah I feel like if I raise 10 grand I'll probably raise 10 grand another 10 grand so I thought let's do something that's going to push out my comfort zone see who wants to join it in the gym which would be nice probably take a team of five or six um, we've got a few good runners you know a few people have done marathons and stuff so yeah we're going to aim to do aim to get some more money for charity this year um, but yeah so that will all be on the socials as well. That's great. Can't wait to see it all. Can't wait to see it all. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you yeah, so much, Lewis. Really nice to talk to you. And yeah, listeners, tune back in for our... I don't want to say next week because we ain't doing it necessarily every week, but uh, <laughs> just keep subscribed. Yeah, we're going to pump no it out more and more. Yet. Don't worry. We got, we'll get them we're getting, out when we get them we're out. Getting more, we've got a few interesting interviews lined up for the next few weeks. So, uh, yeah, Brilliant. just stay tuned. Uh, thank you so much, Lewis, again. Thank you for having me. Well, round of applause. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>